Welcome back to the podcast, Ramiumptum Ruminations. My name is Scott, and I am the host. Today's episode is called A Break for My Mental Health. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast, Rami Umptum Ruminations. I must apologize right off the bat. I am recovering from a really bad cough and my voice is not all the way back yet, but it's been a few weeks since I've posted an episode, so I must power through and make this happen. Happen. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, like I said, I don't have a voice. For today's episode, I am going to change uh, subjects from what I was discussing the last few weeks. I'll get back to some of those ideas that I said I was going to get to because I think they're really important and I think uh, there are still some fascinating things to say about Satan, the devil, evil, that sort of thing. Today, I want to talk a little bit about mental health and specifically um one of the struggles, at least in my experience, that I have felt as an ex-member of the LDS Church. And perhaps this is something that other people can relate to. First off, this is the longest break I've taken from posting an episode since I started. I took a two-week break uh, December of last year to collect my thoughts and just spend some time with my family. Since December last year, this was the first time I'd taken a break of posting any new episodes. For the listeners that come back every Monday morning to hear a little bit of my voice and some of the thoughts in my head, I am sorry that I didn't have anything new for you for the last three weeks. But I'm back, and I'm back for the foreseeable future. I've contemplated switching back, switching to a twice-a-month episode release schedule, but for now I'll continue with um, once a week. I have enough to say and enough ideas. Um, to keep me going for a while, but down the road, I might, there's a possibility that I might switch to twice a month instead of once a week. So one of the things that I wanted to discuss a little bit and uh, be upfront with you, the listener about is that I have depression and it's something that I've struggled with for most of my adult life and my teenage years, although I didn't really understand what it was when I was a teenager came from family systems that didn't really understand mental health or any sort of mental disorders. And so I wasn't equipped with the proper language and tools to, to deal with my, my disability. Honestly, it's a disability. I try hard to practice meditation habits and good mental health routines to keep me happy. But no matter how hard I try, I still do have dark days. And the three weeks ago now was one of the darkest days I've had in some time. I went through a hard couple of nights and it's, uh, it's a reminder to me that no matter how much I progress and how much I learn about mental health and how much I learn about the way my mind operates and tips and tools to, to cope better with my mental patterns, I still will have very dark days. 
that's just something that I deal with. There is much more time in between them than there used to be. Um, I medicated and tried to take care of myself, uh, to try to take care of my mental health as best I can. But um, this depression, this dark passenger has been with me for a long while. And maybe there will come a day where I no longer have it. And that isn't uh, right now. I appreciate the many listeners that did reach out to me um, through Facebook and other means to um, ask where I've been, ask if I'm okay, and see how everything's going. That meant a lot to me. It was so great to hear from many of you and hear that you're excited for me to come back. Uh, your, Your kind words mean a lot to me. So thank you. Thank you so much for that. Today, I want to relate a discussion I had with one of my brothers very early on in my religious deconstruction and how that has stuck with me even to today. Um, I don't bring this up because this was the cause of my my uh, depressive days. I'm bringing this up because it was something I thought about while I was depressed. Anyway, very early on in my religious deconstruction, I had a conversation with my brother, the one of the brothers that I was closest to at the time, um, I opened up to him about some of my concerns about the historicity of the scriptures and of the translation projects of Joseph Smith. He was the first one that I told that I was going to leave the church. And his comment to me has stuck with me. He's a devout believer. He said something to me that many of you might have heard, or maybe someone said this to you as well. I told him that I was planning on leaving the church. And he proceeded to relate a couple of stories of people that he knew that had left the church and how every single one of them had their lives fall apart. Divorce, despair, losing jobs, all sorts of problems that had happened to these people. And he was attributing these problems to the fact that they had left the church. This isn't a new idea. This is something that's presented pretty regularly. In fact, my wife has recounted a couple of people in our ward talking about this very same subject. So I feel fairly confident in saying that this is a common idea presented in the LDS church, that those that leave have their lives fall apart. So why bring this up? Why talk about this in conjunction with my depressive episode? Having left the church, knowing that this is the perception that many believers have of people that have left the church. There is a pressure that I feel on my shoulders to not live up to this stereotype. There's a pressure to be the best version of myself that I can so that they can't say, see, look what happened to Scott. His life, he left the church and his life fell apart. There's a pressure to never have that conversation with my brother where he comes back and says, look, I warned you, if you left the church, this, this, and that would happen to you. It's a, it's a very real pressure that I feel in my own personal circles and in my family circles specifically, I am the only one that's left the church among all my siblings and all of my wife's family. I'm the only one that's out. So I am their firsthand experience of this. And if I can somehow manage to lead a halfway normal life, perhaps it will force them to reconsider their ideas around those that that leave the church. 
I know it's an unhealthy, unhealthy expectation that I put upon myself, but I'm, I'm being real here. I'm trying to express one of the real pressures that I feel as someone who has left the church, but remains engaged with people that are still in to illustrate why some members of the church might have this view on those that leave. I'm going to read a couple of book uh, passages from the book of Mormon and doctrine and covenants. The passage, second Nephi 31, 14. The first half of, of it is talking about, um, those that have accepted Christ, repented of their sins and made covenants. And it says, and after this should deny me, it would have been better for you that you had not, that ye had not known me. That's a passage of scripture saying that for those that know the faith and then leave the faith, it's better for them to have never known the faith in the first place. In Doctrine and Covenants 84 verses 40 to 41, it says, Therefore, all those that who received the priesthood received this oath and covenant of my father, which he cannot break, neither can it be moved. But whoso breaketh this covenant, after he hath received it, and altogether turneth therefrom, shall not have forgiveness of sins in this world, nor in the world to come. There's also the famous M. Russell Ballard quote from General Conference in October 2016, where he says, if you choose to become inactive or to leave the restored church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, where will you go? What will you do? The decision to walk no more with church members and the Lord's chosen leaders will have a long-term impact that cannot always be seen right now. Within the theology, both in the scriptures, in modern discourse, there is a lot said about people that leave the church, those that apostatize, those that become ex-Mormons. And the vast majority of it is disparaging and condemning of these people. It is an attempt to put them into, to remove them from the in-group and put them firmly in the out-group. They are no longer tolerated. They're no longer people. They are apostates. It feels like an effort to dehumanize us as a way to maintain the status quo. Do I hold my brother at fault for saying what he said to me? No. No, I don't. He's bringing up talking points that he's heard in church his entire life. This sort of an idea wasn't born from him on its own. It was, it was handed to him by the theology, by the scriptures and the rhetoric of the leaders of the church. It doesn't make the pressure to lead a normal life outside of the church any less real. There's actually a beautiful rebuttal to this idea that is put on the mouth of Jesus in the book of Matthew 5, 44 and 45. This comes from the Sermon on the Mount chapters, and it has such great wisdom. It's one of the phrases that has stuck with me. And there's actually a couple of other passages that lean into this idea in fascinating ways. And so I'll read a couple of those in a minute here. In Matthew 5, 44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 45 says, So that you may be children of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. This phrase seems to be in response to the idea that good things can happen to bad people, 
and bad things can happen to good people. The book of Psalms 73, 2 and 3, it presents this very idea. It says, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold, for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Within the faith, if something good happens to somebody, to somebody undeserving or unrighteous, as it were, it seems like an injustice to the believers because they're the ones keeping the commandments and in their mind, more deserving of a blessing than the unrighteous person. And then on the flip side, you could say when something bad happens to a righteous person, that butts right up against this problem of evil that we've been dancing around in some of the previous episodes, where how can a bad thing happen to a good person? But within the theology, it's always presented as a trial, perhaps taking the pattern of the story of Job and applying that to people's lives and saying, God is testing me because of this problem, or God is testing me because of this trial. I don't think that's an adequate response. And while I don't find myself to be a believer in God, I do find wisdom in the phrase in Matthew 45, where he says, he's referring to God, but he says, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So I'm going to reframe this just a little bit, perhaps. Instead of saying good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people, I don't think people are a binary like that of good and evil. I think everyone is a complicated person. Perhaps some skew more evil or more good than others, but everyone is a complex individual. So I would reframe this and restate it like this, I would say, good and bad things happen to everyone, and everyone is a combination of good and bad impulses. While I, <laughs> while I can tell myself these ideas, and I can, I can talk about how I should be thinking of this, this idea that popped into my head while I was going through some depressive days, doesn't take away the fact that I was feeling down, and the pressure of always, of always having good things happen to me was feeling very real. I apologize again for making you listen to me with a raspy and uh, sick voice. I didn't want to make the listeners wait any longer, so I figured I'd start producing content again. Here's how I want to finish this episode off. Whoever is around you, your loved ones, your friends, your family, Care for them fiercely. You never know what quiet struggles they're going through. You never know when they have dark passengers in the corners of their brain whispering, whispering in their mind and altering their perception of reality. We never truly know the struggles of another human being. So please always come to the table with compassion and love Love everyone fiercely. I might look different in every situation, but I have surrounded myself with some truly exceptional friends that do care deeply about me, that I can reach out to and speak with when I have problems. And my spouse is amazing. She is so comforting and kind and helpful when I'm going through my dark days. So if you 
like me, find yourself with that dark passenger. I know I'm taking a line from Dexter, but I really liked how he described the darkness inside of him. Well, I mean, the show wasn't great. It kind of went downhill very quickly, but I watched the whole thing because I, I, I did enjoy it. It was one of those guilty pleasures. Anyway, sidetrack. If like me, you do have a dark passenger, surround yourself with loving and good people. Seek the help that you need, whether that's therapy or medication or both. Find people that you can talk to, that you can open up with. Honestly, these tools are the only reason that I'm still here. So I'm very grateful for the people and the tools that I've learned to deal with my darkness. Anyway, I got a little heavy there. I apologize. <laughs> I do want to do a quick promo for an episode that I have coming next week. I am going to do one more detour away from the, uh, the discussion on sin and evil and Satan because I've got a very special guest coming on next week. The guest, his name is Patrick Mason. He is an LDS historian, was recently featured on the Mormon Stories podcast. I have him coming on to my show to have a fascinating discussion on spiritually independent memberships, membership with the church or nuanced membership in the church and how to effectively communicate disagreement while still being part of the in-group within the LDS faith. It's a fascinating discussion, and I am really excited to share that with you guys next week. Wherever you find yourself out there today, whatever it is that you're doing, love yourself because you are special and unique, and you add value to this world, even if it doesn't feel like it right now. I hope you have an excellent day. <laughs>